0: Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. So what's going
1: on, Rick? Not much, Tyler. Tell me about you. It looks like you're in a new setting.
0: I'm in my, my parents' basement right now. I mentioned last week that I moved out of the apartment because i Hated dealing with elevators uh, and people not wearing masks, so here I am. Is Shelly with you? Yep, yeah, she's. I mean, not not right now, but she is uh, also in the ba- staying in the basement. It's actually kind of nice. My parents built a kind of like my grandma a while back was staying here, and they built a little like studio in the basement. So it's it's not like a couch and a TV. It's like it's got a little kitchenette and it's actually set up kind of like a home.
1: Uh, we need to see the second cribs video.
0: Yeah, it would be a lot shorter because it it is small. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see you're you're back in Salt Lake now, huh?
1: I am. Um, I didn't realize how much I like my setup here. I can't. I don't have the same setup. I'm sort of working on a similarly big basement kitchenette counter um, at my in-laws. <laughs> so it's. Uh, it, I, I like this setup a lot better. And man, I'm glad to be back. I'm much more productive. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, Along those lines, when uh, the quarantine stuff started, I really upgraded my home work setup and I got a nice chair, which I mentioned. I went to the office, like not my home office, the actual office, and stole a chair to bring to my parents' house. And I'm sitting in it right now. I hate it. I've been Mm -hmm. sitting in this chair for like the last seven years and it didn't bother me. But now that I have a good one at home, how are we sitting in these chairs all day?
1: <laughs> no, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I have a really good chair now and I'm, anytime I sit in another chair, it's like, oh, how do you deal with this? Your butt starts hurting in like two hours.
0: Yeah. So now I'm like, am I going to have to buy a thousand dollar chair for everyone at the office? Cause like it, it's hypocrite. I can't, I can't do it for myself and not other people, you know? <laughs> no, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, so what, what, what's a uh, new update wise? The big news for me this week, something like we had absolutely no warning about at all is uh, we so we knew that the uh, U.S. News and World Report was going to be reviewing CRMs and that we were one of the ones they were reviewing. We didn't know, you know, maybe they're reviewing 50 of them and we're number 50. I don't know. But the they came out this week and w- we were number one. We got what? number one rank from the U.S. News and World Report.
1: That's awesome. And what's, so that's what's cool. like the category? Just general CRM? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've won things before that are like the best low cost small business CRM or whatever. This is like, you know, we were up against Salesforce and HubSpot and all the big guys. Wow.
1: Wow. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Have you seen any like
0: spike in traffic from this? Not much. Uh, There is some traffic. Like if I go in Google Analytics, there is some traffic. Uh, I think so. That may grow you know, if someone searches for what's the number one CRM, this is a new article. So it doesn't really show up on the first page yet. That might change. I assume US News and World Report has pretty high domain authority. But even if that doesn't happen, two things might come of this. One, I think this will really help our uh, ability to win credibility immediately, you know? Um, So you have to, the way these things work is you have to pay to like, license so that we're allowed to use their logo and stuff like that but so we're going to do that and then you know on our homepage, people will come and we'll be like we are the number one crm according to this brand that everyone knows i think that'll help oh totally Um, totally and i'm noticing that they
1: got your new pricing in there
0: yeah yeah so they originally had the old one and before it came out we we were like should we wait for the price to actually we didn't know when it was going to launch and we were like, should we wait for the pricing to increase, or just tell them? And we decided to tell them. I'm glad we did because it would suck to have the wrong pricing information um, after July 22nd when it goes up. So, totally. Um, so yeah, one nice thing is we're going to use it for credibility, and you know, we're going to test everything. Like our Google AdWords, can we say, you know, use the CRM that U.S. News and World Report ranks number one. That might be a good copy. The second thing is I don't really know how the world of PR works, but uh, Alex, our, our biz dev guy who knows more about this than me, he seems to be pretty optimistic and has had some pretty good reason to be optimistic so far that this could be a bigger PR opportunity to kind of say, who, who wants to write about a little CRM from the Midwest that no one's ever heard of beating Salesforce, you know?
1: There's so many different uh, secondary media opportunities with once you get something like this, if you package it in the right way, um, you should you should be you should have 20 press releases ready to pitch, like just different stories and and taking them to the outlets that you want. Like, are you does he have an idea in terms of or do you want to be like, use this within verticals or just go broad media?
0: So I think there's two uh, yesterday they put out two press releases very very similar, but one is a local story, like for St. Louis people are going to eat it up, right? Because every sized city like St. Louis has this weird inferiority complex where they're like, anything good about this city, everyone's going to really climb onto, and then more of just a kind of national one that I think is a little more generic. That's what they're doing right now. That's awesome.
1: Like this, I think this is like a shot in the arm um, for the company. Just it's got to it's gotta feel good.
0: Yeah, no, it feels great. You know, it's. I don't want to get addicted to these things because the, you and I have talked before that you want to you need to enjoy the journey, not like put, set all your hopes that this one moment because like maybe this will fizzle out and it won't be a huge deal. But if nothing else, it's fun and it's just kind of exciting and a thing to to celebrate. If
1: you could sort of guess what you think the number one or two factors were for you being ranked higher than everyone, what would it be?
0: Yeah. So we've we've discussed this because it's it's unusual for this to happen. Our best guess is that we are a product designed for human beings. And all the other ones are products designed for like the corporate purchasing department or whatever. And if that appeals probably when G2 or Captera are doing reviews, the people doing it have kind of a business background. US News and World Report That's not their DNA. They are human beings. And if you, it actually shows like which person on their staff did each review. And they're not enterprise business people. And so I think that the things that appeal to our small business customers, like not being annoying and just giving them information without them having to dig for it, my guess is they saw that and they were just like, finally, like we don't have to fight to get all this information with these big companies. That's my guess. Cool. That's interesting.
1: I wonder if service and like customer satisfaction has also something to do with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That would be the other big thing. They definitely talked about customer service a lot. So for example, if you read Pipedrive's uh, review, um, they're like, is Pipedrive a good CRM? Yes, it's a very good CRM. But if you want really good customer service, less knowing CRM beat them in that. Uh, And I think they primarily got that probably from other review sites. So one thing we've been doing a lot of over the years is sending our happy customers to G2 and Capterra and places like that and asking them to review us. I would guess that that had a huge impact on PC uh, not PC mag. Um, PC mag also reviewed us, which also had a big impact on us news and world report, looking at all those reviews and being like, there's enough happy people here that it's not like crazy to call this number one.
1: Crazy. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I This is an incredible win.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm again trying not to get my expectations up. Maybe it'll fizzle out, but uh it, it could be uh, we were having a really, really good stretch anyway, like with growth and stuff like that. And now I'm I'm sitting here like, are we about to just have like an amazing second half of the year?
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That kind of I see you have another update on here kind of related to
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. Should I just go into yeah, that or you want ahead. to take a turn? Yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Yeah, so the other one is that uh we' So I've kind of mentioned a while back, we got some PPP money when March and April were really bad for us. And I was, I didn't know how bad it gets. So I applied for PPP money. We got it. Then immediately things just turned around and we're kind of not even back to normal, like better than normal. Um, and that's not even factoring in the price increase that's coming. So financially, we're in a pretty good spot. Now, I still think things are going to fall apart, not for us specifically, but for the whole world or the country anyway. Anyway, we were like, we're going to hang on to this money in case things get bad. But eventually it got so good that we were like, it's irresponsible for us to, for example, not be giving our employees raises, uh, which is one of the things we cut back in March, as we said, no raises until we're out of the woods here. So uh, as of this week, we gave everyone back pay to make up for any lost raises and restarted raises. So everything's totally back to normal from uh, the recession.
1: That's so awesome. Yeah, feels good. <laughs> Are boys happy?
0: Um, I think so. I, I honestly don't think they were all that no one was at all upset about the pay cut. And actually a few people reached out to me after I announced it and they were like, you can cut mine if it means to, like cut mine more and don't cut other people's. Like everyone was so ready to jump in and, and sacrifice. The reality is it was only five thousand dollars that got that we had to do back pay well, sorry. There's the four partners. We actually took a pay cut. So the back pay for us was more significant. But the non-partner employees, no one got a pay cut. They just didn't get raises. And it was only for a few months. So it actually only ended up being about $5,000 to make them all whole. So well, not a big deal, but like symbolically, I think it's a nice feeling.
1: Which back to normal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. So uh, yeah, that's me. What's going on with you? Well,
1: uh, I, I kind of got... I get, The big update I want to share is that I just launched right before this call self-onboarding at LegUphealth.com. So now a prospective client can go to com, uh, click get started, create an account, add their insurance policy information, um, all without chatting with me. And it's a multi-step onboarding flow. I feel pretty good about it. It's still uh, got a lot of uh, what I would call edge cases and sort of Automation to to make it really sort of get to that aha moment, um, but uh, it works. And so I sent it out to two prospect two um, uh, clients who have existing health insurance who want to sign up. And so I should get two my first two clients that are purely self onboarded uh, today. I, I there's you know once they add their policy, I still have to do some things behind the scenes to get that added to their portal, and then. If they decide on to make me the agent on one of those policies, um, when they add it, I still have to like trigger something that triggers the uh, agent of record contract, which makes me the agent on the policy. Um, so there's two manual steps once someone completes self onboarding, but it's a f- I mean from their perspective, it's a way better experience than having to create the entire account from scratch.
0: Okay, I got a few questions. So how much of your time goes into these manual steps?
1: I probably so per account being set up probably fifteen minutes,
0: okay, and then and then yeah sorry good, and then
1: the second thing is that uh as a result because they this didn't exist before i I was kind of bypassing the software as part of the sales sales process and onboarding process, so a lot of what the software does now is what I call a situation assessment like a it sort of lets someone. Um, you know, first, they create the the login, which immediately t- set, sends a message of value that what they weren't getting before, and it also signals an importance of like, hey, there's something behind this other than just talking to a person or an insurance agent. Second, there is a, a sort of a, a, a three step question that that guides them through. The first question is one you know I've basically through all my interviews identified three types of of potential clients. One is someone who has health insurance, uh, on you know, and they want to keep it. Another is uh wh- someone who has health insurance and they want to replace it. Um and then another person is I'm uninsured and they want to shop. Right. So the the first phase the first they create their account, then they go into onboarding and they 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 pick one of those three. The next step is, you know, if they if they are uninsured, it sends them right in to start shopping. So potentially someone could you know come to the site and buy health insurance without talking to me um, which would be unlikely but but potential um, so if someone like the two that I sent the link out to today already have health insurance and they want to keep it um, and so so what their experience would be like is they would create their account they'd click the button um, I, I have health, already have health insurance I want to keep it then, then it asks them what type of health insurance they have, and it, go, it it lists individual health insurance. I buy my own. I get it through an employer, Cobra. Um, th- each of those people will pick individual health insurance, and then it'll ask them to add the policy information. Um, so that's qu- sort of the flow. And then after they add their policy information, we send it, it pumps them into the dashboard. Um, the The interesting thing that I think will come of this is I'm leg up health is kind of now individual health insurance agnostic or type of health insurance agnostic. So potentially someone on Medicaid could come to the site, say, I have my health insurance and I want to keep it and upload their Medicaid cards and start using the leg up health sort of digital insurance, uh, free service,
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: digital insurance cards, manage your policies in one place, value proposition, same with a group, someone on group health insurance. So it'll be interesting now that this is opened up, what type of people sort of come and create accounts and what they do when they do it, which I wasn't, I don't have any data data on so far.
0: Yeah. Cause I know you've had like user referrals, but it's, it's more like a referral to talk to you, not a referral to just go self-serve. I guess they couldn't self-serve sign up until now, but are you expecting like, Kind of just people start trickling in that you haven't talked to, or is it still like you're going to be talking to everybody?
1: So I've gotten, I met about one random re- access request a week prior to releasing this. So oh. people, and so, but they weren't completing the, the long form, which was through type form. So I've now replaced the type form with an actual onboarding process. So when they, when they submit that email, they'll, they'll, they'll now, I want to see how many of those randoms move through the process. Um, and how far they get
0: of the, of those randoms, when you say they didn't finish the form, like, you know, nothing about them or like, I know their you know email address. Re- okay. Did have you reached out to them and be like, Hey, what's up? Who I, are you? I've, I've
1: emailed them and zero of them have responded. Interesting.
0: Hmm. So probably those people aren't going to go through your new process either.
1: I think they might because, uh, they, they, they probably were snooping, uh, be my guess. And it'll be interesting to see what they put in real information to sort of see what happens or if they put in fake information.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, that's, that's exciting. I mean, that feels like going from sort of hustling, fake it till you make it to like having a product sort of.
1: <laughs> totally, totally. So, you know, now I, I imagine that I'll still do probably situation assessments uh, as an initial call, but whenever I come across someone who has health insurance and they want to keep it, I'm going to like, the next step is, Hey, go create your account, go to leg up health. I might even do that on the call and I can actually convert them and get their account created all in one call now, which wasn't possible before.
0: That's awesome. Last week, you kind of said you were getting a handful of customers a day. Has that kept up?
1: Yeah. um, I slowed down a little bit this week because I focused on the onboarding. That's kind of takes me into the next update I have, which is, Man, I'm I'm starting to like have to trade off time between building the product and automating things that I'm doing and reaching out to people. And those two, that context switching takes a huge toll. So, you know, I definitely feel like I've this week I've overcorrected to the product, and now like this after we get off this call, I'm gonna have to like catch up on some prospecting stuff. But um, I, I have enough like uh, feelers out there where I'm getting some inbound and. I'm about to reach out to a bunch of people this evening. So I, I have momentum, you know, but I don't know if it'll continue because of, I took my foot off the gas this week.
0: Do you think it makes sense to not context switch as much? Like we we had a whole episode about this a while back where my my style here, which I think we decided isn't your style, but mine would be do like a week or two of product stuff and then a week or two of prospecting. So you're not switching back and forth.
1: Yeah, I probably can't do that um, because I think my learnings are fairly small at this point. Um, so I, I don't have a a ton of like uh, what do you call it product um, development things to do. But I'm slow, right? Like that, my problem is that I'm I'm learning as I'm going, and so like one of the problems I ran into today, which I didn't solve, is field validation for dates. Um, I can't automate adding a policy. Um, to the dashboard until I can validate and sort of control the format in which the fields come in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's harder than I thought it was going
0: to be. This feels like the type of thing. Are you trying to do it like with your own code or like use no Webf- code tools So to it's
1: all, Webflow doesn't like have an out of the box date picker or field validator. So I've got to do it with JavaScript or I, the, the solution I'm looking at is with jQuery.
0: Can I suggest something to you? Yes, you may Uh, suggest something to me. There's a JavaScript library called Moment, which uh, just handles dates. So two things it can do. One, it can validate, like, can we parse this as a date? But then you can let the the user enter it however they want, and then you can pass it into Moment and then take it out the other side in whatever format you want.
1: This This all happens on the front end?
0: Yeah, it's all JavaScript.
1: Cool. Yeah, I need to take a look at that. It's called Moment?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yep.
1: What about phone It'll take numbers? a little bit of... What about like um, validating phone numbers fields? Those are the two that are important to
0: me. Phone numbers should be easy-ish because you don't need to support... Inter- like You only need to support American numbers, right?
1: Yes, but you need also...
0: Yes. There's a phone number like field type in HTML. It's probably clunky, but what I'm thinking with phone number, just strip out everything that's not a number and... If it's 10 digits, then it's a valid phone number.
1: Interesting. So just make, don't worry about the, how it looks. Just get it, make it functional.
0: But like let them enter it however they want, but then yeah, strip out the, all the non. And then if you want, I've got a JavaScript function I can send you that just takes that and then converts it back into like parentheses and dashes and stuff. Cool. Cause that, that's what we do with, in Less Annoying CRM, You know, people are typing in contact information all day. That's what you do with a CRM. And so we let them type the phone number however they want if it's 10 digits, we then format it the right way. If it's not, we, we show it to them however they typed it in. So like if it has an extension or something like that, it's just however you typed it in is what you get, but otherwise we'll format it for you.
1: That's helpful. Yeah, I'd love to see that code. It, 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 I think this, this type of conversation highlights how far I've come on the coding front mm-hmm. since we first started. So um, I definitely am getting into more custom JavaScript challenges right now. And um, it's cool, but it's slow
0: yeah, it's cool seeing I guess one of my concerns with no code was you'd get really good at it and be able to do all the things you can do in no code, but then you'd kind of hit a wall. but it it's not hard to look at this and see a path towards five years from now you're an amazing programmer because you just bit by bit switched out the like you hit a limitation with no code, replaced it with custom JavaScript, do that enough, and all of a sudden you're a great JavaScript developer.
1: And the other the other part here is that um, a lot of the logins and authentication systems run on a JavaScript um, sort of API, where you actually are doing a lot of you, you have to understand how JavaScript works in order to send data back and forth between the like Webflow tool and say MemberStack, for example.
0: Yeah, that's cool. They
1: call it a front end you know, API.
0: Yeah, interesting. Because we have this coding fellowship where we teach people to code, and this summer we're doing it a little differently because it's all remote and I'm very busy with other stuff, so I kind of stepped back from it a little bit. One of the things they're doing is they did a no-code module, and they all loved it. I'm wondering if next summer is the first two weeks no-code, and then it's like, you're going to use code to enhance your no-code app. That might be a really interesting way to like run a boot camp.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is, and I think it. I actually have an intern right now whose project for the summer is to build a web tool. Um, he has full discretion on what web tool to use, but um, the more we're talking every week, and the the more pro- the progress he's sort of watching me make on the on the platform, it's almost like like let's figure out a, a module within Webflow and within Member stack for you to build and go do that.
0: Yeah, interesting. Cool. What else? Um. All right, I'm not going to say his name because I didn't run it by him to get permission. But one of our listeners reached out to me after I said that uh, we were building a new API for Less Knowing Serum, and he runs this really cool SaaS company, which I will definitely give a shout out uh, after I get permission, and we'll we'll actually build the integration. But very neat. He reached out and was like, "I, "I heard you talked about your API. I'm trying to do kind of integration marketing." To, you know build integrations with companies of your size to as a way to grow the customer base and you know nothing set in stone but it seems like it's gonna work and he's probably gonna build an integration once our new API is done so
1: can you talk about maybe the job to be done that he solves without saying his name
0: yeah yeah so it's uh there's no way he doesn't want me to say it but yeah I should probably uh, I won't say it but um it's a uh, basically a, a help desk kind of tool um, that so it would be kind of like when you open emails in the help desk, being able to see information about the contacts, when you send emails from the help desk, having that show up in the CRM. So it's actually pretty, like, a, I think a pretty natural fit. It's sometimes when two products integrate together, it's like, are these really related to each other? I don't know. But I think it's a pretty smooth integration uh, plan.
1: Do you do you have a sense of how many users he has on his system that would be an opportunity for less knowing CRM?
0: Uh yeah, not a ton. I mean, like enough that it's it's a valid business, but we definitely have a lot more users. Um I think also we have a cheaper product. We have a lot more users than any company our size because we charge so little. Um so I think the users would probably flow more from us to him, but he would be building the integration. And we would be like our users, we get a better product. So that's really with us building the API, this is the dream for us is other people come along and make our product better. And yeah, we're happy to like send out, you know, a newsletter blast out to our customers and be like, Hey, you should check this out. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited about it.
1: I, I think, uh, well, yeah, I'm interested to see how that progresses, how long it takes. Um, that'll be an interesting update, like whether it, what the, whether it works, whether it's like a customer service issue, I I can't wait to hear about this.
0: Yeah. We have a couple third-party API integrations right now, but they're like pretty weak because first of all, our API sucks and no offense to the companies building them, but they're not like this, this one is the type of person who listens to this podcast reaching out to me. Like that's a sophisticated tech oriented person. These other ones are like not businesses that really are in the in the game of building API integrations, so they they don't work very well. And your your question about customer service headaches, they do create them. Where there's like a bug in the in the well, we have this with both types of integrations. We also have integrations with Mailchimp and Google and stuff that we built. And when people hit Mailchimp problems, they're like, "Well, I know Mailchimp's not going to answer my question," so they come to us and they're like, "Can you show me how to A/B test subject lines in Mailchimp?" And we're always like. I mean, I guess, but like that's kind of mailchimp's job. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Does it make you want to build an email marketing tool?
0: That's the one thing I never want to build. <laughs> that that would be without question slam dunk the best thing we could build for our business, but as soon as you do that, you're in the business of trying to prevent people from spamming others with your product. I just don't want to be in that game cuz I know I love our customers, but 20% of them would just be absolutely terrible spammers if we let them. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So I I can't let them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, speaking Uh, of your
1: API, I, uh, I just read through your privacy policy and your terms of service and totally ripped them um, for, uh, for my initial onboarding uh, process and repurposed them. I I like your approach. I really like how you, um, you talk in human language in your privacy policy. I reviewed a lot today. I reviewed a lot of different privacy yeah. policies. Um, I really liked your plain language. Um, I liked that um, you had a summary at the beginning and plain, you know, non jargon. Um, I also, I saw that you had API language in there. So um, <laughs> it sounds like people like, I, I assume you didn't put that in there until something happened where you were like, right, we need to put that in there.
0: The API language is like, what about rate limit? I don't even know. Like, like I don't we remember can, what it is. You,
1: you, if you, we can take away your API privileges, basically.
0: Oh yeah. I wouldn't be. So we based that loosely off other people's. So we've never taken away anyone's API privilege. The only thing we have done is sometimes they, they hammer us too hard and we just email them and we're like, Hey, can you like chill out please? And every time that's happened they're they're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> what? So what the heck? Like
1: who ha- actually has like what what apps out there have actually haven't like copied and and repurposed privacy policies out there is anyone actually like paid for a lawyer to build a privacy policy
0: uh, yeah i don't know i mean i i assume so but even lawyers i think just have some boilerplate you know here's they what copied we did the it last from someone time. else yeah <laughs> there's only one privacy policy in the world
1: so yeah like and then it's been butchered like a billion times right i i mean i guess uh I mean, have you ever had an issue with privacy policy stuff?
0: Nope. Um, it, it effectively never comes up except sometimes I always forget what's in the privacy policy and what's in the terms of service. But uh, sometimes customers can't get access to their account and they're like, you have to tell me this. And we're like, it says in our terms of service, if you don't control your email address, you're you're locked out because we can't verify who you are without. Like, it's not like we're getting scans of their driver's license or, you know, whatever. Um, and even that, it's never a problem. We're just, that's the only time we even like reference the authority of it. Other than that, I mean, I kind of think no one reads this stuff. No one, I, I think a lot of the stuff in them aren't even like legally required. Like it's, yes, it's to protect the company, but there's case law on how interactions between customers and businesses were. It's it's kind of like, I'm getting a prenup right now with Shelly before we get married And all this stuff in the prenup, they're like, if you didn't have this prenup, the court would just figure this out in a reasonable way. You don't need to specify every little thing. So I kind of feel like even if you mess up your. uh, This is like not legal advice. Like don't don't come back (laughs) if I'm wrong about this. But I kind of suspect a lot of companies are covering their ass a lot more than they need to with this stuff.
1: Yeah. And at the end of the day, like if you're, as long as you're really thoughtful about things and not trying to screw people, like reason reason prevails usually and you know if not someone's going to get you anyway so like it's uh i think um mine's a little different than yours you well we both have i think different high data like large data challenges your la, yours is a quantity and a you know personal like quantity of people issue and who owns what and that sort of thing mine's more less of a quantity issue and more of a what what constitutes HIPAA privacy, what, and, and then getting into some of the health insurance state regulations and federal marketplace state regulate or federal regulations around what I'm able to do on their behalf, what third parties I can send data to, that kind of stuff. So I had to, yeah. I had to add a little bit of flavor um, related to like, you know, health insurance, like health, this is more specific to health insurance.
0: Interesting. And on that topic, so we have privacy policy terms of service. We also have a security center, we call it, which is four or five articles about like, here's our GDPR stuff. Here's physical security, digital security, stuff like that. Um, People read that way, way more. So for anyone listening who is afraid to stray from the boilerplate terms of service and privacy policy, their lawyers gave them, I'd recommend just like make a different thing, which is what you actually show people in a more prominent way. And they'll thank you for it. Cause people tell us all the time, like they read the security center and they're like, I actually understand what's going on here. And it makes sense to me. Great. Yeah.
1: And I think I've read through all that from you too. And it seemed like that was more of like sales language or marketing messaging where you were actually turning what historically as legal jargon and CYA into, Hey, here's why you should trust us.
0: Right? Yeah. And the reason that came to mind is you mentioned HIPAA. We obviously aren't HIPAA compliant, but that's, we explain that there rather than explaining it in our terms of service. And then when people email us about it, we're like, here's an article about our relationship with HIPAA. And hopefully that gives you what you need to know.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Um, Do you, uh, speaking of GDPR, I mean, I, you have customers, I guess, and in, in the in Europe. I, I yeah. I'm not going to. Does that mean GDPR doesn't apply?
0: Yeah, especially because you're not. Uh, they just changed the name. I think Privacy Shield is what it's called now, or maybe that was the old name for it. But there's like a trade agreement between the EU and the U- U.S. That's basically like obviously the EU EU regulations can't apply to you, but they can prohibit European customers from using you. And so if you want European customers, you need to get this privacy shield certification that basically says the EU is allowed to sue me in U.S. courts. Um, I'm probably butchering what's actually going on, but I think conceptually that's about right. Uh, So we are privacy shield certified, which now we are kind of exposed to European law. You're not. So just I wouldn't worry about it at all.
1: Cool. Cool. I understand California and some states have more significant uh, data, pol- you know, privacy policies that, um, but I, uh, i I'll, I need to look into those, but I'm just, yeah, I'm still just CCC, Utah for now.
0: CCPA. Is that the California one that just passed pretty recently?
1: I can't remember the name of it, but yeah. something privacy act.
0: Right. I think it's very similar to GDPR. So like we just, when that passed, we just like added a little note, like, if you're looking for CCPA stuff, maybe we didn't even add it. When people email us, we tell them just like read our GDPR stuff. It's the same thing. Cool. Cool. Yeah.
1: Um, well, what, any other updates from you?
0: Yeah. Um, this isn't exactly an update, but it's something we've talked about before that I've been thinking about, and that is remote work uh, stuff. I think we're going to be remote for a long time. So this isn't going to apply anytime soon. But I've kind of been thinking about what do we do when the world, when we can kind of go back to normal. And basically, I love working remotely. I mean, I miss seeing people and I miss the office. I'm not saying I I, I, didn't, I didn't hate it or anything, but I like you wake up and roll out of bed and your computer's right there. You don't have, not that I really had much of a commute. I just walked, but you don't have to do that. But you don't necessarily have to, you just have a lot more flexibility. Like I ate lunch on the porch with my dad today, you know. Um, I was in Bear I, Lake for three weeks. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's a lot of benefits to it. And I think a lot of people feel that way, but then at the same time, a lot of people are miserable right now and really want to get back to work. And I from a, a company culture standpoint, I don't want to go I don't want to become a fully remote company, I don't think. There's a lot of reasons to do it, but that's not what we're gonna do. But I've been thinking, can we get more of the benefits of remote work than what we had before? Because what we had before was everyone could work remotely one day per week and two weeks per year. Um just up to you to pick which day each week you wanted to. So I've been dabbling with this. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. What I've been wondering about is maybe, uh, well, okay. So why can't we just let people work remotely more? I think that my answer to that is the more people can work remotely, the fewer people are there at any given time. And so you lose the critical mass of like having the team in a room together. So one day a week's not a big deal. Like 20% of people are gone. Any typical day, but it still feels normal. But if it's two days a week, now 40% of people are gone each day, right? Um, so what I've been thinking is maybe we could allow more remote work if we allow less flexibility about when the remote work happens. So I've been thinking of switching, and again, this might be a year off, but switching to a model of Tuesday and Wednesday, you come into the, the office. Every other day, if you want to go remote, you can. But so if you schedule a meeting with someone on Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, they're going to be there. We'll have company lunch. We'll have our weekly meeting. You're every week. You're going to have high quality interactions with the entire team, but then you get three times as much time to to work from home if you want to. What do you think about that? Right now you're at one day. One day, but, but you can pick it whenever you want. Yeah.
1: I really like the idea of sort of extending the weekend on either side. Um, Maybe going to two days in the office seems maybe you start with three and see how it works. Like. Tuesday, t- like Tuesday, Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday, and having Friday and Monday, I mean that lets lot, that gives a lot of flexibility in terms of doing something interesting with travel or, um, you know, I guess taking advantage of being remote. And then it's like yeah. then you get you, on the other hand, you give you get less flexibility on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's the trade-off, right? But yeah. but you have a lot more certainty around like what to expect of your peer of your colleagues. I kind of, I like it. And um, it feels like the right balance, honestly.
0: Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I'm leaning that direction. I mean, we don't need to decide anything. So it's again, just, I'm just noodling with it, but, and then the, the other thing you can apply the same concept to, we give two weeks per year where it's like, if someone wants to go home for the holidays, but work from home or something. So we've been, or I shouldn't say we, I've been thinking about the same concept of more time remote, but less flexibility about when for the exact same reasons to say, maybe it's like the week of Thanksgiving, the last two or three weeks of December, the whole month of February, the whole month of August, which are just the two worst times weather-wise in St. Louis or February and August. So you don't have to show up to the office at all if you don't want to. But again, those other times, you know, everyone's going to be there. So I'm hoping that if we did something like that, we'd keep all the benefits of knowing each other as a team while giving a lot more flexibility.
1: Yeah, that's, this was my biggest problem with the remote policies. I felt like we had, we let people work from home, but it was, it was sort of like when you need to, is there were moments where it would have like, we needed everyone to be there predictably to maximize whatever culture or team building thing we were doing. And we had to sort of handle that on a case by case basis, which often is weekly, you know, and it creates this administrative burden that's completely unnecessary, um, And uh, honestly, like, because people, you know, and people make plans, but if you just say, Hey, like, here's how it works, people are going to build their lives around it.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. So anyway, that's all I got on that topic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, The only other update I have, uh, this is a a episode of updates. Um, This is, um, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I think I mentioned last week that. Uh, one of our in, summer interns, Lena, has been working to build out a go to market plan and validate some segments to focus on, some vertical segments. So we're already limiting ourselves to just Utah. Um, Lena's research has taken us to like what counties should we focus on to, so getting more specific on a geographic basis. But then she's also been looking, you know' we, we've, we've sort of validated or discovered that profession is the primary driver. Of where someone gets their health insurance, uh, the age too but but once you get within you know eighteen and sixty five it's it's pr- profession so 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 she started looking at different professional segments within uh, Summit County, which is where Park City is and and she, she started with retail, then she moved into real estate. She had a really hard time re- with retail, getting a hold of people, reaching out to the owners and and the employees. Um, then she switched to real estate and had a totally different experience. First of all, most real estate agents' information are published online with their contact information, so it's very easy to to find who they are and then reach out to them. But she basically spent the last few weeks calling real estate agents. And and sort of doing market research around. Wh- tell me, about, like, do, do you buy your own health insurance? If not, where do you have a broker? Why? How's that been? That kind of thing. And then also sort of understanding questions related to how real estate is structured because you've got these uh, real you've got real estate agents, you got brokers, and then you've got these Sotheby type companies that sort of have agents underneath them or part of them. I don't fully understand it yet, but anyway, um, last week she had called a hundred or so people and and gotten connected to around 20, 25% of them. And about half were ideal customers for Leg Up Health based on the conversation. So we had two sort of follow-ups to that. One was, um, can you repeat the 100? Um, does the sort of contact rate hold? So she called another 100 and had about exactly the same connect rate and an ideal customer path. So we're pretty confident. That roughly half of, of real estate agents, if not more, buy their own health insurance on the individual market. So, um, the the next question that, that she didn't get to this past week, but she's going to focus on next week, is of the people who are ideal customers when invited to try Leg Up Health, how many take 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 us up on that offer? We don't really have the right messaging yet, so it's partly an exercise in figuring out the messaging that resonates, but also sort of a a test of how Sellable. What are the how, how strong the forces of pull leg up health has, and how strong the forces of push the pain has? Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know the 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 win here is that real estate looks really promising. So, one question we it's, this kind of turns into a topic, but one question we're facing is: Should we uh, keep going on real estate, or sort of tie this up with a bow when we're ready for when we're ready, and find another couple segments to focus on within Summit County, or should we just keep going deeper on real estate? Um, the other, the other thing that it's bringing up is, uh, we're finding that because people have been in in pain for so long on the individual market, they're just like kind of given up and they're experiencing this. We're we're using the term numb pain. Uh, so they have pain, right? Like, but it's numb.
0: And they so like accepted it. Kind of. Yeah.
1: And so there's not a push anymore. It's like, it's just, you know, usually when you, when you have pain, you're out looking for the solution. It's like, and and you find someone that solves it and you're like, Whoa, this is awesome. This pain's numb, so it takes a conversation or two to sort of pull out memories of the pain and and the fact that it actually is still there. I just had forgotten about it, and you know that's a difficult product to sell.
0: Is it? Does it work with the couple conversations though?
1: Too soon to tell. Um, I haven't had enough of those conversations, but like, yeah, like you get someone talking and they realize like. Wow! Like actually, my bar is so low for individual health insurance service that, like, all you have to do is basically call me once a year and check on me, and I'm ha- like, that's better. It, it, I haven't figured out the yeah. words to to fig to get it out efficiently, but eventually it comes out. And it's like, it, it it's like, um, but what if it's a lot of what ifs? What what if you had this happen? What if you had this happen?
0: Is it possible you don't need? to like, you don't need them to feel that much pain because you're not asking them for any money. You're, you're asking them for what, an hour of their time basically to just sign up and make you the the broker of record?
1: Yeah, maybe we just need to get more confident
0: asking and we're not asking. Well, I almost wonder, like it's such a small ask. I almost wonder if you could just be like, here's a deal. You don't feel the pain right now, but you remember when you signed up, it sucked. It's going to happen again. When it happened, all you have to do is switch to us now when it happens, we'll just take care of it for you. you. You'll be covered at the time. Like that might be all you need.
1: So there's two factors that make it a challenge that takes time on their behalf. Right. Yeah. And there's like this, they that. there's like this, um, because it's health insurance, there's this emotional complexity that is like, well, if I switch to you, is, it, is my policy going to change? You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's not as simple as, as just what it sounds for them. The second factor is if they already have an agent. There is sort of this conflict that gets created between uh, us and the the old agent that, and you know how people are, they don't like, you don't like conflict. So if I came to you and said, Hey, switch the agent and you haven't talked to the agent in five years, but you know that when you switch to me, that agent's going to get a letter, you know, get notified. I
0: honestly, there seem to be enough agents or enough customers that don't have agents. I would like say until you've got some market saturation, just only go after the people without agents.
1: You don't know that until you're talking to them. So yeah. You know, and so it's like, you, what do you do? do you, so, do you let's say that, that you call a hundred people, you you find, you know, fifteen ideal customers. Fifty percent have a broker, fifty percent don't. What do you? How do you? You know, you you don't want to yeah. just leave it all on the
0: table. Sure, I, I guess, I guess what I mean is, if if you're, I think you've, I forget the terminology, but you've kind of described to me before. Sometimes you're in a position where you're hunting. And sometimes you're like qualifying leads that are coming in. If you're in a qualifying spot here, at that point, I I wouldn't say throw them away, but put them on a more automated thing. Be like, oh, we've got this self-service thing. Go sign up, put your insurance in. You'll get a little value out of it and then nurture them from there. And then like really, you know, do the sales call with the person who doesn't have an agent or something. It's it's
1: almost like, well, you don't make us an agent. Give us, give our software a try. Give our service a try. You can always make us the agent later once you trust us um that's the pitch for the person with an agent and then without an agent it's like listen it's a no-brainer sign up right sign up today yeah but uh, that's where you put it's it's a question of like one's actually ideal one's not the ideal is no broker um the when they have a broker then it's not as ideal it's still a good customer qualified it's still a qualified client but yeah not an ideal customer yeah cool that's helpful
0: But I mean, that's great that real estate's going so well. You said one thing you have to decide is, do you keep, do you dive deeper into real estate or do you switch? What does dive deeper, diving deeper look like? Cause you're not actually trying to make the sale yet. Are you?
1: Yeah. So I think the answer to just cut to the chase is to move on to another segment. The the fact is I'm not ready yet to start Mm -hmm. crossing the chasm. Um, we need to just continue to validate the market. And if, you know, until the product's ready and we have 50 users, 50 clients, and we're ready to go market, true marketing, we have a budget for it. it we re- There's really not much to do other than, you know.
0: Well, that ahead. that makes sense to me, but Lena knows she's called 200 people and 30 of them are good fits who don't have agents right now. Should you just go sell to those 30?
1: So, so I would say like, there's a separate question of like, okay, how do, there's, there, do we go bigger on real estate or do mm-hmm. we sort of tie it up with a bow? And I think part of tying it up with a bow is we've built relationships with 30 or so ide- you know, potentially ideal customers. How do we handle those as part of tying up with a bow? Um, but do we go get more relationships? And I think the answer to that is no. Do we, do we need to tie up the bow? Absolutely. Um, and then the question becomes what segment's next? And we're thinking cosmetology um so hairstylists beaut- beauticians um nail nail people um those, those types of people but there's also we're also looking at some of the um you know lower pay lower on the compensation ladder medical professions it's like dental hygienists um physical therapists that kind of thing
0: have you considered insurance but not health insurance
1: that's another one, yes, so like property insurance agencies that sort of thing. The thing that you get in trouble with there that i this is biased from same benefits and people keep days is a lot of those people have sort of partners in place, yeah that makes um sense. but they they are they're kind of like your coaches in a way, in that I bet if we if we focus on them, not only if we could get them, it might be a little bit harder to get them, but once we get them, they probably have a lot of potential refer they could be a really strong referral candidate, yeah. Especially if they're in a wonder, consumer line.
0: Yeah. I even wonder if you down. could kind of tell them like, I wonder if you could, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You probably won't have anyone to refer them to, but.
1: <laughs> well, the problem is they already have the, I'll scratch your back. Um, you, you scratch mine re- relationship with another agent. With That's the else. challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, so yeah, I would say uh, other insurance lines is a really good one.
0: The reason I mentioned that is for us. So I've been looking at our industries a little bit recently, and it looks like real estate and insurance are our two strongest. And they're also our two most related. Like There are just so many similarities between real estate and wait, insurance.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say that you have a lot of real estate people on your platform? I sure did. Well, what the... I mean, I feel like there's a collaboration opportunity here. Yeah.
0: The problem is uh, I think probably a very, very small number of them are in Utah, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, if they could go the other way, we sell in Utah. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, totally.
1: Uh, I'll follow up on this.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I looked at it of the, you know, a few months ago, I kind of mentioned we started collecting people's industries when they sign up. Surprisingly, it's not required, but a ton of people fill it out now. And real estate's the highest volume. And then insurance is the highest uh, conversion rate, like Hmm. trial to paid conversion rate of the high volume ones. We have a couple like smaller ones that convert at a very very high rate but the the volume so low. So real estate and uh, insurance are the two industries that look the strongest for us.
1: Interesting. Uh, that does and that's probably I bet your small business your users are probably good users for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: How much is it going to cost to for you to violate your privacy policy?
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to think if there's a way to f- know who's in Utah. I mean, there's of course a way to, but like, do I have an easy way of accessing that? I don't know.
1: You don't know how many um, users do you, do you, do you have like a map that shows what your user population is by de- uh, geographic area?
0: We used to, we used to have intercom for this. Mm. Um, we never paid for intercom. Like they were a very different product back in the day. We just used their freemium thing and we never messaged anybody. We just looked at their map, but I think we don't have that anymore. So no, I, I, I personally have not seen a map of our users in like four years. That'd be interesting to see. Do do you remember where they were
1: mostly when you had one?
0: We looked at them more like by country than by state. So this was like, we were making a big push in the UK and we like to say, Oh, we have customers in over 70 countries. So that's the type of thing we were looking up more so than where in the country.
1: Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, that's helpful. I, I think you're right. Um, I'm 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 probably going to let Lena just follow her curiosity with what segments to go with because she's pretty quickly she's pretty, what she's really good at is sort of not getting stuck on something when when her curiosity leads to a dead end she's like oh well I need to just go try something else yeah
0: and that's awesome that is so
1: valuable oh so you know, maybe cosmetology isn't right but she'll figure that out quickly enough and then come up with another idea
0: yeah awesome
1: would do, do you have any topics to discuss
0: um. Yeah, we've got maybe 10 minutes here. I've got one, but it can also wait. Anything that you you'd like to get to today?
1: <sighs> I kind of do. So Okay. Go for it. So we're starting to talk to I'm starting to talk to to some of the interns uh, about how to retain them post internship, you know, completion. Um, One challenge I'm running into is I didn't document like how long the internship is going to run. So like, I need to figure out what, like when a non-paid internship ends and when a paid one might start. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I obviously have some really good interns and I'd, I'd like to figure out a way to retain them if it's mutually desired uh, to make that happen. And, you know, I just wanted to see like, if you had any ideas on how to structure something like that or fund it, given, you know, that finances are certainly a uh, limitation right now.
0: Do you have a sense of if any of them are like definitely not going back to school next semester or if they're like dabbling with that idea?
1: Yeah. And this is specifically for the ones, let's just assume that for the conversation, this is for people who are definitely not going back to school in the fall.
0: You don't have to like talk them out of going to school because I can't imagine they have a ton of options if they're not going back to school. Which you don't want to take. You don't want to be exploitative here, but you're also, you know, it's important to understand the competition. And are you looking for them to do like right now? They're doing what one day a week or something. I know some are going above and beyond, but the agreement is it's not a full time thing right now. Are you hoping for them to switch to full time? I don't care.
1: Okay, I'm gonna be very clear about this. If I decide to retain someone, it's because they're doing awesome work, and it it's really like is I'd how much it's it's the questions I'm asking are how much. You know, time. Do you want to spend on this? And then, yeah. what do you need? What do you need, like in terms of you know, a financial commitment to be able to do that? That's going to get me to some number, right? Right. Let's just call it three thousand bucks a month. I don't know what it actually is, but let's say that's that. You know, how do you do that? How do how, I mean, when you're early like this,
0: how do you pay money? Or how do you the come up with money? How do you
1: how do you give a financial opportunity when you don't have the money to pay? Like, is it profit sharing? Is it Commission, I like. I don't.
0: Yeah. So first of all, do I
1: need to do? I should I should I put you know, you know, three months worth of pay in with my own money and just sort of like let that fund it? Should I? uh, You you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, you are gonna pay them in experience, and I'm of the opinion when a company can afford to do so start discounting the experience to zero. Like you should pay people for their time, even if they're getting experience, don't worry about it, but you're not in that situation and that's okay. And you've already self-selected for, I think a pretty privileged group of people. It sounds like they're coming from top schools. So like, I would feel pretty comfortable if I were you being like, they can make minimum wage one day a week. If they want to work more off the clock, that's their problem, not their problem, but like that's their decision. I wouldn't feel an obligation to like pay them a premium here. First of all, I don't know if you're already there. Well, let's just figure out
1: what the number, like what, what's the monthly number that you think is reasonable for, for someone.
0: Yeah. So something like, uh, it's let's call it $10 an hour is like the absolute most I'd pay in this case for an eight hour day. So three, $320 is what that would come out to a month. Yeah, not much. <laughs> no, I mean, there there could be an argument like maybe you should bring them on full time or maybe whatever, but it sounds like you can pay them for a day a week and the they want to work more because the experience is worth it. You're not pressuring them to I, I don't it doesn't feel to me like you're taking advantage of them. And since it's only one day a week, they c- they can work other jobs if they need to make more money and stuff like that. So it's not a whole lot of money we're talking about here.
1: Yeah. when you put it that way, it's like, if this is a cup, if this is between 500 and $1,500 per month, depending on the time, it's like, I can figure that out.
0: Yeah. So I, and I, yeah, I might even ramp it up a little bit more and be like, let's call it two weeks or something like that. I don't know. However you want to structure it. Do you think anyone could actually sell your product? Cause then you, then it's easy if they're profitable.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think depending on, I think, Getting into like uh, this plus like doing a base plus profit sharing low base plus like hey based on I'll pay you if if we can afford to more that gets really Mm -hmm. interesting especially if they're working in the marketing or customer acquisition side of the business Um, that's harder to do that's pretty much the only place they'd be working right now the other place would be product but you know that's a whole other story I don't I don't that's not really what I'd be looking for so yeah I think I think you give me some is there a good way to have these conversations with I'm used to have working with people who've been employed before? Yeah. And, and so it's like, is, have you, when you, when you're hiring college students, how do you talk about, how do you make them feel comfortable with how you're talking to them about this? Do you, are you, tra- my, my sort of approach is to be uber transparent. It's like, you know, here's how much money we're making, you know, here's, here's um, sort of uh, how I might think about your time and on an hourly basis, you know, how many hours do you want to work? That comes to this. Um, I can't afford to pay that. Um, you know, so let's, maybe we, maybe, maybe we meet in the middle and I pay, I figure out how to come up with half of that with you know my own money. And, you know, if we grow, which here's some scenarios, we can do some profit sharing, um, for you to make up the difference.
0: I think that sounds great. I giving over explaining things, being very transparent, acknowledging the problems with it is a great way to earn trust, especially you're talking about a group of people who can probably all, they're just going to live with their parents. They, they're going to have no living expenses. They're probably going to have an allowance. They're probably not used to living on their own anyway. So the cost to them of this is nothing. And by, I know. by giving a little downside, I think it, it builds credibility because they're not going to care about the downside. But it shows that you're being upfront with them. So I I think you definitely should be transparent.
1: And there is some upside there. Like, hey, like, this is money you could go do something with. Save it, whatever you want to do.
0: Right. The only thing I'd add is when you have the, like, everything you just said to me made a lot of sense because I know how the world works the way every adult does. Um, I think you need to give interns, like, I'm not exaggerating when I would suggest maybe an hour long here's how, here's how the things that are about to be discussed work, right? Like here's Mm -hmm. how companies pay people. Like a normal work week is 40 hours. Did you know that? Like maybe not. Um, And just kind of explain, and here's how a new business works. And like, eventually I want to pay, but normally what businesses do is they give equity at this point, but I'm a different type of business. And so I'm trying to look for, like just giving them more background on it, I think could help.
1: Yep. There's a presentation here that I can put together and, and, Uh, the interns are my sort of first test on this and, um, it's good.
0: Final thought here. Have you, do they know each other?
1: No, they're starting to, they're starting to connect on their own via Slack and have calls, but that's very
0: early. I think one thing you could also offer here is like a bit more community with them is you could say, listen, I didn't know what I was getting into this summer. I don't know if you're going to offer this to all of them or just some of them, but you can be like. You all are the ones that I think are doing a great job. I don't want this to just be this kind of throwaway thing that maybe you shouldn't say that, but that maybe it started out as and be like, I would give the presentation to all of them together. Let them all ask questions and be like, right now, among other things, like I'm going to start paying you and whatever, but also right now you're all on a team together. You're not going to be lonely next semester.
1: Yeah, this I, I probably wouldn't present it to, to all of them together, but I would probably... I think the community aspect is important. It's like, listen, this was more of like a, a internship. This, this new role is going to be much more part of the team. You're going to have a leg up health email address. You're going to be um, given some responsibilities um, to make decisions and, and interact with customers and represent the brand. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Have a weekly meeting with them. Yep. yep. We'll have a
1: weekly team meeting in addition to our one-on-one. Yeah.
0: Uh, I've heard a lot fr- from my interns, like everyone always says they like the job, even if, I don't know if they're telling the truth. They're not going to tell me they hate it. But one thing people are saying a lot more this summer than previous summers is they're like, without this, I would have no human contact. Hmm. So that's something you can kind of sell them on. I think.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, I like, uh, I, I'm sure that our listeners are tired, tired of hearing us talk about interns, but <laughs> I'm actually learning a ton from this. And if you haven't tried putting together an internship program in the, for your company, I highly recommend it. It's definitely a learning curve in terms of how you think about it. Everyone's different in terms of... I've, I've got six right now. They're all very different how they're processing information and how productive they are. Um, and uh, But it's very rewarding. And uh, as you told me, it would. It it definitely turns into relationships that could be much more meaningful than an internship.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it's going well.
1: Yeah. I know we're we're at an hour and a half at this point. Do you want to talk about anything else?
0: Uh. No. I'm. I've got a topic I'm very interested in, but it's not at all time sensitive. So uh, let's save it for next week.
1: Can you tease it a little bit? What's an LP?
0: A limited partner.
1: What does that mean? To dipping I'm, your toes I'm, in the water
0: i'm uh considering or i've made a soft commitment to invest a little bit of money in a uh, investment fund
1: Ooh, of of
0: of, uh, of notoriety it's uh earnest capital oh which, cool um so it's not venture it's not a venture capital fund but like it's kind of playing in the same space um i really I'm... yeah, you know about them and Oh stuff? yeah
1: yeah I was wondering i i thought about every time i got i get their their calls for capital i I think of you.
0: Yeah. I. Uh, so I, I want to spend more time than we have right now talking about this, but yeah, that's the teaser is I've, I've made a soft commit. So to some extent, like I'm doing it, but I'm also just interested in your thoughts on is this smart and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: That'll be an interesting conversation. Cool. Cool. Um, All right. Anything else?
0: Nope. That's it for me.
1: All right. Um, hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Start to Last. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. Tyler, I'll see you next week. See ya.